Welcome to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am your host, Greg Schutz. This is episode eight of the 2023 podcast series, where we take a look at the draft eligible prospects and get you ready for the NFL draft. And I'll tell you what, weeks two and three have gone by in a flash. We're already up to week number four of the college football season this coming weekend. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, I was in Norman watching OU take on Kent State for week two. Didn't really have much of a chance to prepare for a podcast last week. Playing a little bit of catch up here. Got a couple of days left to get through all of week three. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at week number two. Process all of those games. And if you remember, week two was straight up crazy. A lot of action going on there. A lot of upsets in that top 25. We'll get to that in a minute. And then we'll start getting into some of the week three matchups as well. Some of the games that I was keeping an eye on for sure. But back to week number two. This was really the first wild week of the year. I mean, when you look at so many upsets within the top 25. Obviously, Texas A&M, number six team in the country, losing to Appalachian State at home in Kyle Field. Like, that was really the big shocker there. Then, obviously, Notre Dame at home. Marshall comes into South Bend and knocks off the number eighth-ranked Fighting Irish. Baylor, number nine in the country. Number 21, BYU, comes in and, and, and dusts them off as well. Kentucky takes on Florida. Number 12th-ranked Gators going down to the 20th-ranked Wildcats. And there, there were a couple of others there as well. You know, number 24, Tennessee, taking down number 17, Pittsburgh. How about Washington State? Cam Ward, we'll talk about that game here in just a little bit. Taking down the number 19th-ranked Wisconsin Badgers. A lot of craziness going on. I was able to sit down and take a look at quite a few of those games. So I want to go ahead and try to jump into as many of those as possible. We'll also recap Bama surviving against Texas. What happened there? Steve Sarkeesian looked like we had the momentum there. Looked like we had Alabama on the ropes only to have Alabama come back. Bryce Young shows why, look, even when he's not at his best, why he is the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. So I guess we really should be starting with that Alabama game against Texas, right? Because Texas really looked like a legitimate threat there to Bama, unlike what we've seen in, in quite some time. Really went down to the wire. Um, but as I said, Bryce Young didn't have his best stuff. 27 and 39, 213 yards uh, and a touchdown. Also seven carries for 38 yards. And I'll tell you what, those 38 yards, that really set everything up. Under a minute to play. Bryce Young back to pass. Ryan Watts coming off the edge. The corner, had he gotten to Bryce Young and dropped him with the sack, the game is pretty much over. Put a nail in the coffin, and Bama likely loses the game. But what does Bryce Young do? He ducks underneath that corner, rolls to his right, gets to the boundary, down the sideline, 19 yards, down to the 18-yard line with just 27 seconds to play. Will Reichard ultimately ends up kicking the game-winning field goal. But I'll tell you what, there was another play that was just as impressive, if not more so, and that was ultimately the, the touchdown pass that put Alabama up 17 to, well, it was a tie, technically, 16 all, extra point, put them up 17 to 16. It was a seven-yard touchdown pass. There was a pump on a wide receiver hitch, unable to really create separation there. He pulls it down, rolls to his left, retreats to about the 16-yard line, then all of a sudden he flips his hips around, Three defenders are bearing down on him, and he hits Jameer Gibbs in the end zone with kind of a sidearm throw on the money. Jameer Gibbs runs to the open space in the end zone. And really, Bryce Young, I mean, that's vintage Bryce Young right there. The point guard from modern day sees the entire field. Uh, th this kid, a reluctant runner, but he'll take off and go when the situation suits him and that was what you saw at the end of the game look his receivers weren't helping him out uh kobe prentice there was a play where he should have sat down in the zone and instead he continued his route bryce young wound up throwing behind him we're expecting jermaine burton to really step up and be the leader of this receiving corps much like jameson williams did a season ago jameer uh, jermaine burton against texas just two catches for 10 yards really didn't elevate his game much at all which was disappointing to see but Look, Bryce Young, reigning high-speed trophy winner for a reason. And I, I think we just talked about a play where he, he pulled it and, run, and ran. Best decision there. And then also the ability to flip those hips around 
and be able to deliver that strike to Jameer Gibbs in the end zone, I'll tell you, that was one of the most impressive plays that you'll see uh, in the first three weeks of the season. Jameer Gibbs had himself a day as well. 5'11", 200 pounds, the Georgia Tech transfer, just 22 yards on nine carries. Didn't really get much done on the on the ground. I'll tell you what, that offensive line struggled to get really anything going against Texas and uh, the running game. But look, Gibbs, nine catches for 74 yards and a touchdown. You can see that he really understands uh, route running, understands how to get open, looks for the, the openings in the zone. Swing pass, turns up the field in a hurry. You see that acceleration. He's at full speed in just a matter of steps. And then there's the route running. Starts off to his left and plants. It gets north and south. Has the matchup that he wants against the linebacker, Ovio Gufo. Makes the catch in stride. 20-yard gain heading down the field. I will tell you right now, Gibbs, Bijan Robinson, Kenny McIntosh, top three receiving running backs in this year's draft class. And I don't think it's any, you know, there's, there's any argument any other way. Now, Will Anderson, largely regarded as the number one overall prospect in this year's draft, 6'4", 243 pounds, the outside linebacker, he really struggled to make an impact. Five tackles, two tackles for loss, and got his first sack of the season. But I'll tell you what, he was flagged for, for jumping off sides three times uh, and also had a, an uncharacteristic pen, uh, penalty. It was a personal foul, wound up hitting the receiver well after the play, uh, it was a tight end actually, uh, J- Jatavian Sanders, and ultimately called for that personal foul as well. Just really didn't make a whole lot of sense what was happening there. Um, and I think it was just really that frustration more than anything else. He was getting double teamed often with either a tight end or a running back on him as well. But Will Anderson, look, what makes him so good is he keeps coming. He's relentless. He'll put his hand in the dirt and uh, you know flew by the center off the snap and chases down uh, Quinn Ewers. Ultimately, Ewers, he dove for his legs and missed. That's when Dallas Turner came in and drove Quinn Ewers to the ground on his shoulder, ultimately caused that that injury for Ewers, who's going to be out for at least another couple of weeks before he can get that shoulder right. But this dude, look, gets his hands into the chest of the right tackle and uses those hands to shed the block, get inside with a nice hand slap, and then the burst across the face of the right tackle comes down the line, gets towards the quarterback, just misses. And that was the reason why that frustration just kept building. But uh, third down, minute 38 to play, hesitates with a misdirection, then explodes down the hill to the quarterback. Once he makes sure that Hudson Card had the football, drills him for the sack, his first of the year. And I think you know Will Anderson is going to start picking up momentum as he gets into SEC play. Um, he just needs to make sure if he gets frustrated, he just can't act out. You know, that's really, you know, you've got to be able to keep your poise. And that's something that I think I'm going to be looking for more of as uh, the season goes on. Uh, in terms of the secondary, uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry, I know he's only a sophomore, but, you know, he's a he's a 6'1 corner. And, yes, his name is Kool-Aid. And, uh, you know, the, the physicality there, he's very handsy, very grabby. But, uh, you know, he's, he's got some really nice ball skills. He's going to come off the edge and, and got a good sack there on the quarterback as well. Um, but the guy that really impressed me was the free safety, DeMarco Hellams. 6-1, number two if you're scoring at home. This was a guy, he, look, he was running stride for stride with Jordan Whittington down the field. He was a bigger receiver, but he just stayed just underneath him and on his hip. Ball put up deep to, to that wide receiver. He was coming down with it, and Helms was still able to affect the wide receiver at the catch point, cause that incompletion. Uh, read an outside run right away, kind of drifted to his right a little bit, then flows downhill and ultimately wraps up the, the running back's legs for just a two-yard gain. I thought DeMarco Helms definitely improved his draft stock um, you know, as a safety being able to cover a lot of ground sideline to sideline, also be able to, to showcase some of that cover ability. Ten tackles, a tackle for loss, and a pass breakup. Not a bad day at the office, that's for sure. Now, when you talk about guys, you have to talk about Bijan Robinson. Obviously, the, the king of mustard, Bijan Mustard since Dijon Mustard. And, uh, you know, really when you're talking about Bijan, you're talking about the best running back in the game. This guy can run with power. He can run with speed. He's an excellent receiver as well. So shifty in the open field. Um, he, he's the closest thing that I've seen to, to Reggie Bush 
that uh, I think we've seen in college football. And uh, look, this is a guy, he's, he's going to meet you in the hole. You're going to get a stiff arm, then he'll be able to bounce it out to the outside. Uh, there was a 33-yard game coming out of the backfield versus Dallas Turner down the sideline, able to turn his body around, pluck it in the air, then get back around for additional yardage. Excellent body control, opens up, that spin gets back around, keeps his balance, continues down the field. But look, if there's anything that we have to argue with, with Bijan and, and Jameer, it's their pass blocking. You know, they're very inconsistent. There were times where they, they needed to pick someone up. And uh, look, you know, Will Anderson was tied up with the left tackle, so he needed to take on the corner and ultimately ran right by him, right to the quarterback, forced a throw away. It was called for grounding. There was a fourth down on that play. Um, so so B, both Bijan and Jameer, there were times where Jameer Gibbs needed to step up, needed to come across the formation and pick somebody up and, and didn't do that. That's really going to be the biggest thing that I, I think these guys need to work on. But look, when you look at Bijan's numbers, 21 carries for 57 yards and a touchdown against that vaunted Alabama defense, uh, that run defense. Then three catches for 73 yards coming out of the backfield as well. Bijan Robinson, to me, is a guy that is just going to continue to gain momentum throughout the season. Now, when you're looking at things, J Jalen Ford, the linebacker, he's only a junior, so he can come back for another season. But if you watch the game, number 41, 6'3", 234, had 10 tackles, two going for loss, a sack, and a quarterback hit as well. And Ford just seemed to be all over the place. He was timing his blitzes perfectly, coming through the A-gap. Uh, you know, He walked up really at the last minute, shoots downhill in a hurry. Bryce Young really didn't have a chance, had an 11-yard sack there. Moves left with the motion man, then on the snap, gets back to his right, runs the alley, meets the running back in the hole for only a two-yard gain. Ford quickly becoming the leader of that Texas defense. Now, I mentioned Wisconsin going down to Washington State, 17-14. to And look, Cameron Ward, I think that was really the big question. You go into Camp Randall, that's going to be a hostile environment for sure. And how is he going to play uh, faced with some adversity? This was a guy at Incarnate Word. Uh, look, you know, over 6,900 yards passing, 71 touchdowns, both school records. Uh, you know, Southland Conference Player of the Year in 2021. You know, this is a guy who just made plays and really made it look easy. Washington State, 17 to 28, 200 yards. Uh, you know, a couple of touchdown passes, a couple of interceptions as well on the day. Um, and look, you know, this is a guy who started two of seven for 49 yards with, with a pick. And you saw, his, as the game went along, you saw him kind of calm down. I think initially there was, you know, there were some nerves, really struggling a little bit with, with some of the accuracy. But he hit Billy Riviere uh, down the sideline for a 34-yard gain, just dropped it right over his shoulder. Receiver was able to pick up a few yards after that as well. Uh, I think that really was helped him calm down a bit. You saw the athleticism. Keanu Benton is a, is a beast there in the middle of the defense. Showed his ability to, to beat him in the open field a little bit. So Cam Ward, look, he's 6'2", 220 pounds. He's a junior. He has one more year of eligibility. Um, you know, I, I think this is a guy that uh, in that offense there in the Palouse, stick it out for one more season and let's see what happens. Dayon Henley, the transfer from Nevada, 6'2", 232 pounds. Number one seemed to be all over the field. The speed to the perimeter to force the tight end out, one yard shy of the, of the line of scrimmage. You saw an emotional outburst after that play, very pumped up, had eight tackles and interception and a forced fumble the week before. Follows that up with nine tackles, one and a half tackles for loss. A guy that can drop into coverage. He's really a three down linebacker because he can put pressure on the quarterback a little bit. Also, uh, handle that running game that's another thing that you really saw really that sideline to sideline being able to scrape over the top as well and make plays behind the line of scrimmage brennan jackson is another guy to keep an eye out for there for for the the cougars defensive end 6'4 263 pounds does a really good job setting the edge and uses those hands to shed the blocks get into the backfield make plays behind the line of scrimmage and if you're looking for a receiver look washington state likes to throw the football all over the yard the guy to keep an eye out for is renard bell look just two catches for 49 yards with a 5'9", 173 pounder lined up in the slot did a really good job widening off the snap it comes back for the ball on the inside quick throw down the, the line of scrimmage then accelerates through the hole in the defense cuts across the field uh, for 35 yards. Really, it was that bubble screen, catches it in stride, and here's the thing that, that 
Cam Ward does so well is he leads his receivers, allowing them to make plays down the football field. So, it, you know, he doesn't have to hold up. You're not putting it on him. You're basically leading him, allowing him to accelerate into that catch and be able to make plays after the catch. So, you know, those are some of the things that really stuck out for me with Washington State. And then when you look at Wisconsin, look, you know, Wisconsin struggled to get anything going. You know, that, that offensive line, uh, not up to the par with what we're expecting to see out of a Badger, Badger offensive line, if that makes sense. And then the receivers, they don't have, they're lacking a dynamic weapon there at that receiver position. You know, Braylon Allen, the running back, still 21 carries for 98 yards. Um, but outside of him, you know, Chaz Malusi couldn't get going. Uh, neither could Isaac Garendo, the other running back. Uh, you know, but the guys that I really wanted to watch were, were Nick Herbig and uh, Big. Keanu Benton on defense. And with Nick Herbig, look, 6'2", 227 pounds, bends very well coming around the corner, just flies to the outside, uh, you know, speed as that edge rusher, as I mentioned, um, runs right by the right tackle, quickness off the ball, uses that, that chop and swipe to avoid that right tackle, get in there to, you know, for a sack, quarterback zone read, pulls it, chases down Cam Ward for only a two-yard gain. Um, you're also seeing him flying to the outside on a check down to the running back, dropping him for a three-yard loss as well. You love the, his ability. Another three-down linebacker can rush the quarterback, can drop into coverage, and then does a really good job playing sideline to sideline against the run. And big, big Keanu Benton, man, 6'4", 317 pounds, the nose tackle. This is a guy who's going to beat, beat you with quickness, gets right into the quarterback's face. You're also going to see him bench press the center, disengage with his hands and then drop the running back for a loss as well so very versatile up front a guy that can get after the quarterback a little bit but definitely is going to be a guy that's going to be in your face uh against the run that's for sure now i guess it's time to talk about appalachian state and what they did to texas a&m the score showed 17 14 but look texas a&m had eight first downs in this entire game so it's all about the Mountaineers, right? We got to talk about uh, App State. And look, Cameron Peoples on offense is a legit pro prospect at the running back position. You'll remember against East Carolina, the Myrtle Beach Bowl, this was a guy who ran for 317 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, a dude who uh, is, is a, a big, physical, one-cut-and-go, upright type of runner, a guy that always seemed to be falling forward, um, continues to fight for extra yards after initial contact. He's going to churn out yards. He's going to get better as the game goes along. 19 carries, 112 yards. When App State needed a big play from their running back, they leaned on Cameron Peoples, that's for sure. And then when you look at Chase Bryce, the quarterback, look, 6'3", 235 pounds. This guy, when he's given time and in rhythm, he can pick you apart. You know, I, I think he throws pretty well on the run as well. Struggles you know, mightily when, when he's under pressure. Uh, look, you know, just 15 of 30, 134 yards and a touchdown, uh, but definitely very mobile. That's something that you saw out of him. I just look at him right now. I don't see him as a draftable prospect, but, man, he's, he's definitely a gamer. Uh, when you look at Henry Pearson, uh, the tight end, though, 6'3", 245, a decent route runner, a guy who has excellent hands and also a really good blocker, excellent block on, on Antonio Johnson, the, the stellar nickelback there for the Aggies. Took him all the way to the sideline. I think Henry Pearson's the guy to keep an eye on. He could potentially work his way into uh, day three conversations. When you look at the defensive side of the football for App State, I, I think Nick Hampton, the team captain, uh, you know, just had a couple of tackles on the day, uh, a tackle for loss, uh, but a fumble recovery as well. When you watch him, you know, he's, he's a little undersized because he's 6'3", 225 pounds. So he's coming off the edge, had a really good bull rush as a stand-up uh, edge rusher, drove the, the left tackle, Trey Zoon, the third, back into the backfield, but he was unable to get off that block. The left tackle ultimately reset, drove him away from the pocket, which allowed the quarterback, Haynes King, to escape, take off for a long run. Uh, so it's one of those things to where this is a guy that really needs to play in space. But you love the effort. You love his ability to, to fly around to the football. Uh, and then Steven Jones, the corner. Look, 5'10", 180 pounds. Uh, not the biggest guy by any means, but you watch him read a quick throw to the receiver to the wide side of the field. Came downhill in a hurry. Quarterback threw a little too high. Nearly had that pick. Instinctive, driving on the football. 
Here's something that I thought was really interesting uh, on the broadcast. ESPN reported in the last 19 games, seven interceptions, four defensive touchdowns, the most in FBS since 2020. Definitely a playmaker, definitely a guy to be on the out. Uh, we'll look at for number six for App State, Stephen Jones. Now, when you talk about Texas A&M, obviously, you know, they, they've got all the recruits. They got all the talent. What happened? What went wrong? Um, you know, when I look at the receivers, I, I think you don't have those playmakers that Haynes King can really get the football to. Uh, you know, Anaya Smith, just four receptions for 21 yards. Really the big guy, big gun on that team is, is Devin Aching, right? I mean, 5'9", 185 pounds. The guy had a 95-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. On that play, you saw him change some speeds a little bit, waited for his block, then hit the hole in a hurry. And look, once you get this guy into the open field, 10.14 100-meter speed. This is a guy that has tra world-class track-level speed and can really make plays uh, in space. They just need to be able to get him the football to be able to do that. Because, look, earlier in the game, he starts to the left, foot in the ground, puts his foot back to the right side as it's caved in, speed downhill, gets to the second level in a hurry, makes a cut, gets back outside to take away the angle from the safety, coming downhill, gets outside for the 26-yard touchdown as well. You know, Devin A. Shane, just 10 carries for 66 yards and a score. Uh, look, the, the, the defense really was the story. They just could not stop App State when they needed them to. And that's really what was the most frustrating part if, if you're a, an Aggie fan. I watched you know Antonio Johnson quite a bit, number 27 is the big 6'3", 200-pound safety. I had him as, as possibly my number one safety in the draft, a guy that always seemed to be flying around the field. Uh, but look... You know, he comes down well in run support, but takes some bad angles. Uh, and running backs were able to get outside him a little bit, lined up in the slot against the receiver, runs an out route, was in bail technique, hands on the receiver at the top of the route, drives to his right, gets inside a position, reaches to disrupt the catch, a call for, for defensive pass interference. Probably was a bad call, but this wasn't the best game if you're looking to evaluate Antonio Johnson. There was some struggles there uh, for him. But look, you know, he, he showed that he's uh, an excellent wrap-up tackler in space. Finished the day with 13 tackles to lead the Aggies. But, you know, you just wanted to see a little bit more out of him. Aggies needed a playmaker on defense, and unfortunately, they just didn't get it and ultimately walked out of there with a 17-14 a to 14 loss. Now, Florida against Kentucky, you know, they're in Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. We know what Florida did to Utah and I know I jumped on the bandwagon for Anthony Richardson. Well, you know, anytime we talk about jumping on a bandwagon, you know, after one game, we need to kind of pump the brakes a little bit. And uh, I think I've fallen right off the bus. Uh, and Anthony Richardson struggled mightily in this game. He really showed uh, some of the inexperience. 14 to 35, 143 yards, two picks, including one that was critical at the end. Um, you know, the corner jumps the route, ends up taking that, that pick off uh, for, for 65 yards in the score. That was Kedron Smith. Um, you know, the eyes, he telegraphed the throw. Um, you know, that was one of the things that you, you just, you don't throw it. Um, cornerback is just sitting there waiting for him to make that throw. Uh, and it was 16 to 16 at the time of the pick. And ultimately, you know, we know what happened. They, they wind up losing the game by 10. Um, but he had receivers that were open, um, throws the ball to, to the outside. When receivers are going inside, uh, you saw him throw lasers. And this guy has a tremendous arm. And that's really, you get excited because you'll see him cut loose with a football, puts the ball on a line, throws the football to the wide side of the field, makes it look effortless. You see the arm talent. There's no question about that. You see the athleticism. There's no question about that. But it's decision-making and it's the touch. You know, he lacks some of that touch. Everything ha brings that velocity with it. You want him to be able to, to drop the ball in the bucket on a consistent basis, and you just don't see that. And he just needs to see the field better. I, I think he gets that tunnel vision, locks on to a single receiver, and, and defenses are able to really pick up on exactly where he's going with the football. Like I said, th this is a guy who is tremendously athletic. He has all of the tools. He just needs more time at that quarterback position. What I worry about with Anthony Richardson is that he's going to leave for the NFL before he's ready. 
And that's one of the things, you know, you look at, at Trey Lance, you ask, it, was he ready to make that jump to the next level? You talk about the arm talent, you see everything that's there, but they, they need time to develop at that quarterback position. And I worry that if Anthony Richardson leaves for the draft after this year, I think that'd be a big mistake on his part because he, he needs more time to really understand the position, be able to see the entire field, make good decisions uh, with the football as well. Uh, you know, you need to have that the mental game catch up with with that physicality and the all the absolutely incredible athletic traits that he brings to the table. Now the other quarterback on the opposite side, Will Levis, 6'3", 232 pounds, 13 to 24, 202 uh, with a touchdown and an interception. When you look at Levis. This is a guy who could very well end up being my number three overall quarterback in this draft behind Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. Started the game off 7-7 for 118 yards and two touchdowns. Will Levis is another quarterback who has a tremendous arm, uh, can make all of the throws. The velocity is absolutely there. Tremendous arm talent. This was also a guy who seemed to love to roll to his left and had really no problems getting those hips around and being able to fire a strike, especially on those crossing routes heading towards the left side of the field. Uh, you saw a tremendous arm strength as well. A 55-yard touchdown to the freshman Dane Key. Really rode that play action well, pulled it, aired it out down to the receiver, uh, up the seam. Uh, Key was able to climb the ladder, high point the football and haul it in. 55 yards. Made it look easy throwing that football, hitting his receiver in stride. You love to be able to see that. The ability to roll out, keep those eyes down the football field and make some plays on the move. You absolutely love seeing that as well. You know, there were some throws where either there was too much uh, too much air under it and there were times where he would miss open receivers, but he was much more consistent with the football. You love his athleticism as well, his ability to make guys miss in the open field, some strength. And there was one play where Brenton Cox got to the outside, leaped and nearly had a sack, tried to grab his legs, and ultimately Levis was able to flip the ball ahead to the receiver, had the presence of mind to, to try to get rid of the football and make a play. Ultimately, the receiver dropped it, but showing that strength in the pocket. I think Will Levis, at the end of the day, is going to be number three, number four. You know, He's going to obviously battle uh, Tyler Van Dyke. Obviously, you know, uh, Tanner McKee from Stanford is going to be in that mix as well. We'll talk about him here in just a little bit. But when you talk about Florida defensively, I think that's really where we have to start talking because, look, uh, you know, Jervon Dexter Sr., uh, both he and Brenton Cox have really stepped up and showed that they deserve to be in first-round consideration. When you're talking about Jervon uh, Dexter, he may very well end up being a, a top-10 pick when it's all said and done. This was a guy who was manhandling the center up front, um, really just kind of shoving him, throwing him all over the place, would throw him to the ground. Um, then he engages the, le the left guard, uh, you know, the guard tries to, to turn him by out muscling him with the upper body, but he was able to hold his ground, uses his hands, uses that technique, gets that left guard off balance as he was trying to throw him down, came off the block, wraps up the running back, uh, you know, at the line of scrimmage and ultimately throws him down. You see the violence in his hands, the, the powerful punch at the point of attack, gets very physical, and that's one of the things that you love, but then he's able to slip inside, use his hands uh, to, to swipe, rip, get skinny, shoot through the hole uh, you know one of the things you know when Brenton Cox came off the edge he tipped the ball in the air Dexter he was very physical with that right tackle Jeremy Flax and uh, ultimately dives makes a makes this athletic interception uh, so I, I think Dexter absolutely helped himself 6'2 312 pounds had seven tackles at that D tackle position a half sack to go along with that interception also had a pass breakup on the day but I mentioned Brenton Cox and good lord, this was a guy you know used a two-hand shove on that right tackle, drove him right to the crown into uh, uh, on one play, drove him into Will Levis on another on a quarterback draw, really blowing up the play. Got a tackle for loss by Dexter, uh, believe it or not, was exploding off the edge as a stand-up rusher. Uh, you know the the running back came across the formation and hit him, but he was still able to run through that block, hits the quarterback arm, which ultimately popped it into the air which caused uh, the interception there by Dexter. Loops around on a cross-dogs blitz, takes on the left guard and the running back that gets, uh, as the quarterback gets outside to the left, able to come off those blocks, close the gap on the quarterback. Brenton Cox on the day, 
just a couple of, of tackles, two quarterback hurries, but I think he absolutely helped this draft stock, showing that physicality to match the speed with his game. Uh, and then Ventrell Miller is another guy. Look, you, know, you wanted to see how he will play coming off that injury. 5'11", 228 pounds, you know, shows blitz, backs out of it, reads the screen to the receiver, gets outside, downhill, drops the receiver for a loss on the play. Instinctive, explosive. Number 51 in the middle of that defense is the guy to absolutely be on the lookout for. And one of my favorite guards in the draft, we're talking about Florida offensively, is Osiris Torrance. 6'5", 332 pounds, so physical at the point of attack, uh, was manhandling the big defensive tackle, uh, Octavius Oxendine, a guy who is 6'6", 285 pounds, and he was able to just manhandle this guy. Uh, ultimately opened up a huge hole for, for the running back, uh, Trevor Etienne. Uh, pulls around to the left, seals off DeAndre Square. Etienne able to get outside on a 12-yard touchdown run. He keeps his pad level low in pass pro, sits down, punched to the inside, able to control his man in pass protection. Look, Osiris Torrance is going to be one of the top guards in this year's draft. And uh, look, in a losing effort, he was definitely a standout up front. Now, when we talk about Kentucky and we look at their defense um, really the guy to watch for was, was Jordan Wright had had six tackles a sack a couple of tackles for loss an interception and a forced fumble you know Wright seemed to be all over the field now this is a guy teams will have to end up doing their homework on him because you know he, he did have a suspension ultimately had that lifted and was out there playing uh, but 15 look he has the size 6'5 231 pounds this is a guy who was fighting through the running back's block and ultimately stripped Anthony Richardson, got, who ultimately got the ball back. But you saw the effort effort play there. A guy that was playing sideline to sideline, running running backs to the sideline. And let's talk about the one-handed interception that he had. I think that was one of the things that really was, was surprising to see from him. It was third and three from the floor to 26. Uh, Richardson... Play action, rolls to his right, the running back, Montreal Johnson, running an out route into the flat. Wright comes downhill to rush the quarterback, gets in the passing lane. Pass has some velocity, point-blank range, throws that left hand up, nearly makes this one-handed catch, able to control it with, with the left hand, then brings it with, with that right arm, controls it there, runs 18 yards to, down to the six, set up a first and goal with just two over two minutes to play in the first half. Really an exceptional play there. And on a defense where you know Jaquez Jones or DeAndre Square or J.J. Weaver might get more of the hype, it was Jordan Wright who had himself a day there against Florida. So he'll be a guy to keep an eye out for as the season progresses. Now it's time to talk about Lincoln Riley's offense there at USC, taking on Stanford. 10th-ranked Trojans, 41-28 winners. Caleb Williams was 20 and 27, 341 yards and four touchdowns. Those four touchdowns all thrown in the first half. And look, you know, Caleb Williams, he's he's not draft eligible, so we're not really going to evaluate him. But I'll tell you what, he he's making things look easy back there at at quarterback for the Trojans. And you know, it's one of those things that it's really a lot of fun to watch. Uh, because he's got all of these weapons to throw to. Uh, you know, Brendan Rice, Jerry Rice's son, the transfer from Colorado. Mario Williams, a transfer from Oklahoma, four catches, 74 yards, and a touchdown in the game. Terrell Bynum coming from wa uh, Washington. But let's talk about Jordan Addison, shall we? Six foot, 175 pounds, the reigning Blitnikoff Award winner. And what does he do against Stanford? Seven catches, 172 yards, and two touchdowns. Had a 22-yard uh, tunnel screen makes the catch off of a, a counter pull. Uh, the defense went left. He came came down the line to the quarterback, makes the catch, turns up the field, gets north and south, gets through an arm tackle, and then the speed to get to the end zone. Then the, the speed getting vertically on, on the post runs by Caillou Blue Kelly, who has NFL bloodlines. His dad is former Trojan and Tampa Bay Buccaneer Brian Kelly. Um, ultimately takes that route vertically, and Caleb Williams dropped it right in over his shoulder. He doesn't have to break stride. And Kelly, at about the 17-yard line, tries to trip him up. He's able to spin out of that tackle, keep his balance, remain in stride for a 75-yard touchdown. It's absolutely ridiculous. What this guy is able to do, you know, uh, the route running ability, you know, he, there, he was in the slot on another play, bends the route to the outside, plants to show the corner that, that outside, then cuts back to the inside on the post, 
comes across the field, makes the catch in stride, 40 yard gain, but his ability to make these cuts down the field without losing any speed. He's looks like the most NFL ready wide receiver. And look, no offense to Garrett Wilson, Garrett Wilson is a phenomenal talent, number two wide receiver taken in the draft at number 10. But if Garrett Wilson is a top 10 pick, then Jordan Addison should be a top 10 pick. What this guy is able to do with that speed, but the route running ability on top of it, he knows how to get open. And when he makes those cuts, he puts so much stress on the, the defensive backfield because of his ability to make those cuts at full speed. And if you don't have multiple defenders keeping an eye on him he's going to do exactly what he did to Caillou Blue Kelly blow by him and then your quarterback has a nice wide open receiver down the football field and if you got a quarterback like Caleb Williams that can throw the ball 50 plus yards in the air with ease you're going to hit him in stride he's going to take off and score uh, look you know SC the running backs that transferred in Travis Dye 14 carries 105 yards and a score Austin Jones uh, you know eight carries 38 yards, not not really a stellar day on the ground, but you know had uh, three catches for 31 yards uh, on the day as well. But look, these guys know how to block. That's really the biggest thing that I thought was so impressive. Both of these guys uh, lighten people up uh, as blockers. We'll get back to that in just a sec when we talk more about Travis Dye. With Austin Jones, look, he's 5'10", 190. It was was sharing the backfield at Stanford. Comes to SC, and, and he's sharing the backfield again, but... He's able to showcase the hands coming out of the backfield with the speed on the outside. Good feet downhill as a runner. Hits the hole at full speed. Decisive. Runs hard. Uh, you know, I have my notes over and over again. I keep talking about how decisive he was as a runner. And then there's Travis Dye. Uh, the vision to find the hole. The foot in the ground and getting downhill. He had this devastating block. Um, he was out with the left tackle and just knocks down the defensive end and pass pro. Uh, really a good wheel route down the sideline against David Bailey, the defensive end. A phenomenal freshman. Uh, went to the same high school as Bryce Young at Modern Day in Orange County. Um, and look, David Bailey on, on the, the inside, Travis Dye. You know, it's going to be a mismatch. Ended up being called for defensive pass interference. The next play gets downhill with, with his power, pushing the ball for 12 yards. Um, so I think Travis Dye has definitely helped himself. And then on that offensive line, this is a much improved USC offensive line. Um, you know, John Henson coming in from Texas A&M. You see the difference there. Um, the athleticism pulling around, that's one of the things that you're always going to see, that staple, that counterplay. Uh, they run it over and over in Lincoln Riley's offense. Um, he, he does a really good job generating movement in, in the running game. Drives his man to the ground to finish as well. You love the footwork, active hands, and pass pro. Uh, and then how about Cortland Ford, the left tackle? Another guy who was just showing off the footwork and, pa and pass protection. The kick slides, being able to slide with his man, even when... They were trying to get inside or trying to get back outside. He was able to stay with his man. There was one play in particular where he blocks down on the defensive end, who then tries to get back outside and was able to slide right there with him. Uh, you know, I, I think that's one of the things you also see. Uh, blocks down on the defensive end, linebacker loops around, being able to pick up that linebacker. Good knee bend, the short choppy steps, in pass protection as well. Uh, Cortland Ford ultimately hurt his ankle. Hopefully, he'll be able to come back for, for the Trojans, 6'6", 305. Cortland Ford's a guy that we're going to continue to watch and continue to, to grow there in that offense. And then defensively, you know, Eric Gentry, he's 6'6", um, I, I think about 215 pounds. Not the biggest guy, but this guy has tremendous range. Um, drops back and gets tremendous depth on this post to the wide receiver. Uh, Tanner McKee had to put the ball up and over that length. Ball went high and was tipped interception by, by Max Williams. Scrapes over the top, fills the hole, drops a running back in the, in the ground game for no gain. Uh, has the speed to get outside as well. Eric Gentry and then his running mate, Shane Lee, also helping himself. Six foot, 245 pounds. Uh, a guy who does a really good job working through traffic. He blitzes from depth. Um, you know, really shoved the running back twice as he comes off. Ultimately gets the quarterback for a sack. He had four tackles and a sack on the day. Eric Gentry had 10. But let's talk about 
Tuli Tui Pelotu. If you don't know the name, you should. Number 49, the younger brother of Marlon Tui Pelotu, a reserve defensive lineman there for the Philadelphia Eagles. The younger Tui Pelotu, 6'4", 290 pounds. And this dude, just so quick off the ball for a guy his size. Comes off the edge, gets a tackle for loss. Really good quickness. You see a push-pull against the guard, being able to shoot into the backfield and drop uh, Emmett Smith's son, EJ, for a loss. There's a swing pass to Smith as well. He's able to get to the perimeter, working inside out. The speed getting down there, lowers the shoulder, knocks the football loose for a fumble as well. Tui Pelotu may be 6'4", 290 pounds, but he moves like a guy a good 30 pounds lighter. Uh, had six tackles on the day, four going for loss, had a sack, a forced fumble, a pass breakup. He was all over the field. Tui Tui Pelotu definitely has to be rising up boards. I see him as a second-round pick. Um, I think they'd be crazy not to draft him in the first two days of the draft, that's for sure. Now, Stanford, uh, you know, Tanner McKee, you know, 20 of 35, 220 yards, touchdown, a couple of interceptions. Look, Stanford was moving the ball against the Trojans, and uh, you know, four turnovers uh, ultimately did them in. But uh, Tanner McKee, he, he's got an NFL arm. I think you can absolutely see that just in a little bit of, of film that you watch if you watch the entire USC game. I mean, he does need to watch that internal clock. It needs to go off a little bit sooner, but he makes good reads, gets the ball out quickly, especially when he's feeling pressure. Uh, does a great job reading the linebackers coming up on zone reads. That mesh, Stanford really liked to hold that a long time. And then ultimately he would wait for the tight end to clear the linebacker and throw over the top when the linebacker was coming forward. Um, needs to watch the ball placement at times. Um, there was, you know, Sayer Wright, the, the corner for SC. He was beaten on the play, and the ball was just thrown too far inside. Not enough air under it. Ended up going off of Wright's shoulder pad, uh, but he was clearly beaten to the sideline or beaten down the sideline, I should say. Um, back shoulder throws. Gosh, he was just back shoulder throw after back shoulder throw. The ball placement, and he was putting him on a line so that really the corner, even if they were in position, couldn't get to the football. That was something that was just so impressive. Um, like I said, that even that sack with Shane Lee when he was shoving the running back twice and ultimately got off the block for the sack, that internal clock needed to go off. But this is a guy, look, the ball placement, the arm strength, and then some of that athleticism to be able to get outside the pocket or manipulate the pocket and make plays. Uh, Tanner McKee, to me, looks 6'6", 225 pounds. He looks the part. He has the athleticism. I think he has some of that decision-making as well. If he can speed up that decision-making on a consistent basis, Tanner McKee is a guy that could end up being one of the top five quarterbacks taken in the draft. Benjamin Urasek, dude, tight ends, loaded this year. 6'5", 235. What you saw here was a very long strider. Holy crap. This was a guy end around, tight end run for 50 yards to set up first goal at the nine. I mean, just absolutely came around the edge, long strides coming down the field. Uh, really a good route runner as well. Excellent hands, one-handed catch in the flat and then able to get up the field. Eurosec looked five catches for 45 yards, also had that run. Very athletic, a guy that moves very, very well. Uh, one of the faster tight ends that I've seen so far this year. EJ Smith, he's six foot, 210, the junior. Could come back for another year, could decide to enter the draft. 19 carries, 88 yards, and a touchdown. Um, you love the vision, you know, his ability to find the hole and be very decisive, put his foot in the ground and get downhill in a hurry. Uh, catches a swing pass, excellent hands, catching the football away from his body that gets down the sideline as well. Presses a line of, of scrimmage. Finds that hole to the back side, to, you know, to the opposite side, to the left. Puts his foot in the ground, gets there, ends up picking up 18 yards as well. Uh, you know, needs to watch that ball security a little bit. Had a couple of fumbles. Ultimately, Casey Filkins had to come in and, and fill in for him because some of that ball security was getting a little scary at times. Uh, needs to hold on to it a little bit more, but I think the future is definitely bright for EJ Smith. Definitely an athletic athletic running back and a guy that can make plays in space. Pittsburgh, Tennessee, 
ultimately the, the 17th ranked Pitt Panthers going down to the Volunteers 34-27 in Acrisure Stadium. Feels weird to call it Acrisure Stadium and not Heinz Field in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And look, Keaton Slovis, 14-24, 196 yards, a touchdown and an interception. Uh, what you saw, I saw a guy that was seemed to be very comfortable in the offense. When, when he had a clean pocket, he was hitting his receivers in stride. He was uh, throwing a lot of them open. You saw him throwing with anticipation. Uh, the ball fake did a great job getting the linebackers to come up and then being able to throw right over the top on them. Um, the one interception, ball was thrown a bit high, but the receiver could have made a play on the ball. It was tipped in the air, and uh, the safety, Kravon Flowers, wound up picking, on, picking the football off. Uh, he, he was hanging in the pocket until the very last minute, was getting drilled um, on virtually every play, but still delivering that strike to the receiver, ball out just as the receiver was turning around and uh, getting out of their breaks. Uh, just been very accurate that entire game. Ultimately, didn't play in the second half because because he was ultimately thrown to the ground by Tyler Barron with just 14 seconds to play. Uh, very violent. You saw his head hit the ground. Ultimately, the ball went out before he before uh, he did hit the ground, so there was a forced fumble there. You worry about Keaton Slovis and just the long-term effects of, of these concussions. He had to have had a concussion on that play. Um, you know, he's had a couple there at USC as well, so you worry about that. But I, I think this was a much better offense for Keaton Slovis, and you definitely saw him continue to get comfortable as the game went along. And, uh, you know, I, I just hope that the head is is hanging in there and that he'll be able to rebound uh, here for Pitt going forward. Uh, now, Carter Warren, look, I, I talked about him against West Virginia. I, I thought that, you know, the, the movement skills were lacking at, at times there. 6'5", 325 pounds. I thought he actually showed really good feet with this kick slide, um, able to kick back inside um, on, on secondary moves. You saw the nice feet there. He pulled around as the running back was following him. Ultimately didn't block anyone, but you saw the athleticism to get out there. Uh, shot his right hand in on, on the defensive end to, to stun him, throw him off his rush. That's one of the things that you love seeing his hands. Um, Roman Harrison beat him. Got ca caught leaning a bit. Never really got his feet under him. And uh, really a near sack by, by the defensive end. Um, but a guy, look, he, he climbed to the second level. Sealed off the linebacker to the outside. A Bannacanda cut right off of his hip to the second level. 25-yard gain. You saw the knee bend. Hands on the defensive end's pad level. Those were things that definitely stood out. I thought Carter Warren really rebounded nicely after a shaky start to the season. Um, I, I mentioned tight ends. There's a sophomore for Pitt. Um, he'll be eligible next year. 6'5", 255 pounds. Gavin Bartholomew. Um, this tight end wheel route catches that you know, 40 yards in stride. Uh, Trevon Flowers came over, hurdles the safety at 30, and ends up scoring on this 57-yard touchdown. Um, really was a, a beautiful thing to watch. Looking at the other side of the football in Tennessee, Hendon Hooker, the quarterback, 27-42, 325 yards, two touchdowns, also had 27 yards on the ground. And look, the, the transfer from Virginia Tech, um, just very inconsistent. I, I think that's the best way of putting it. You know, there was, you know, he, he launched the football. Cedric Tillman was open on the post, too far out in front of him. Had they had the tight end over the middle, ultimately rifles it a little bit too high. Needed to take some some speed off of it, really show some more touch. Had a deep ball down the sideline. The ball hung up a bit. It was a jump ball, and ultimately the the corner MJ Jevonshar. A smaller corner was able to leap and knock the football away. It was basically too far to the inside, so his big receiver, Cedric Tillman, was unable to make a play on the football. But you loved his ability to get the ball out quickly. You saw some decisiveness to him. Um, fades, inconsistent. On one, you know, he, he led the receiver out of bounds. But on another, the touch puts the air right under so that the receiver didn't have to break stride going down the sideline. Um, there was also a, a go route by Brew McCoy. Put air under the ball. McCoy right over his shoulder for the touchdown. And then Tillman beating Devonshire deep down the sideline for a 63-yard touchdown. Dropped the ball in right over the, the shoulder. Had two steps on the receiver. Put it in stride. 62 yards down the field. Um, 
you know, Cedric Tillman also had himself a day, nine catches, 162 yards, and a score. What's crazy, um, I didn't even realize this, but uh, ESPN pointed out in his first three seasons there with the Vols, just eight catches for 124 yards and two touchdowns. But in 2021, 64 catches, 181, I'm sorry, 1,081 yards, 12 touchdowns. The touchdowns were third in the SEC. Uh, a guy who wins off the line either with speed or can force his way through press coverage. Uh, you know, there was one throw that hit him in the hands. The ball bounced off and was incomplete. Really uncharacteristic of Cedric Tillman because this is a guy who has some pretty sure hands. Uh, you know, did a great job coming back to the football, sliding down, making a catch. Uh, there was a tight split, and, and he runs this 10-yard out, run, runs a speed cut, because the safety really playing to the inside was easily able to break to the outside and pluck the ball with his hands away from the frame of his body. I mentioned getting vertical, running right by Devonshire for, for two steps, uh, ultimately making that catch over his shoulder. Just a great job tracking the ball down the sideline. And defensively, the defensive end, Byron Young, four tackles, a sack, couple of tackles for loss. And then uh, Jeremy Banks uh, was the other guy that I thought really stood out. I know Aaron Beasley was the leading tackler with 14 tackles, but it's not just about the numbers for me. When you look at Byron Young, 6'3", 235 pounds, um, used to slap and rip to beat the right tackle, used good strength to get by him. It closes the, the distance to the quarterback, hits Slovis as he's throwing, starts to rush. Then he sees the quarterback, Slovis, rolling out with a tight end in the flat. You see the back pedal, then the ability to get outside, chase down the tight end, and drop after only a five-yard gain. Uh, really was impressive watching By uh, Byron Young uh, show his ability to drop into coverage as well as get after the quarterback. And then with Jeremy Banks, look, 6'1", 224 pounds. What I really liked about Jeremy Banks was, was not only the effort, nearly ran down Israel Abanacanda on this 76-yard touchdown run. Um, you saw active hands getting into the passing lane to bat the ball up in the air. It was still caught by the tight end, but made an excellent play on the football. Um, in the middle of the field, reading the quarterback's eyes, times his jump well to tip the pass. Um, ultimately, it was caught by, by Bub Means, but is that he just kept dropping into coverage, reading the quarterback's eyes, letting that take him to the football, and getting a hand uh, in that passing lane. You know, the running back, Drops in coverage, running back came across the field, picked him up, tried to get a hand in, was just shy. Running back was able to run away from him for a good gain. But again, he was getting into coverage. He was looking to try to make a play on the football. The ball skills are absolutely there. You're looking for linebackers who can play in this new NFL. And I think Jeremy Banks is the guy to continue to watch an SEC play. I think he's a guy that could potentially be able to get that done for you. Uh, staying in the SEC real quick. Arkansas, if you haven't seen Raheem Sanders, he's only a sophomore, but look, 24 carries, 156 yards, two touchdowns. He, he's an absolute beast. And I heard Sam Pittman say that this guy was actually a slot receiver when he went to Arkansas before moving to, to running back. Uh, they call him Rocket, and there's a reason why. He runs with power, also has excellent speed, uh, very physical, man. You know, And he's just a lot of fun to watch. But the guy uh, on offense that really turned my head was Ricky Stromberg, the 6'4", 310-pounder, uh, a guy that was climbing to the second level, uh, getting blocks on, on the weak side linebacker, one-on-one -on -one with Zach Pickens, uh, able to stand up Stromberg. But then when he tried to do this push and pull to disengage, Stromberg remained anchored, showed the grip strength, excellent leverage and pass protection as well, sitting down, extending those arms, Stromberg was a guy that I thought was inconsistent last year. I think he's continued to get better and better uh, the more I see him play. But I'll tell you what, Arkansas, it was all about Drew Sanders. 11 tackles, three tackles for loss, two sacks, a couple of forced fumbles, a pass breakup, quarterback hurry, and a partridge in a pear tree. Number 42, the, the Alabama transfer, 6'3", 242 pounds. He was reading the quarterback in coverage. Receiver runs it underneath, drag in front of him. As the quarterback's eyes turn to the receiver, drives on the football, arrives just after the ball arrives. Big hit on the receiver for only a two-yard gain. Does a really good job reading the offensive lineman, getting wide, moves with the offensive guard, uses his hands to then get off the block, drops the running back in space, covers the running back, Juju McDowell coming to the outside, runs by the blockers on the swing pass, 
drives on the running back, meets him as the ball arrives, able to wrap up, force the ball free for an incompletion on third and five, which ultimately forced a field goal. He flows to his right as Jaheim Bell took the handoff, was working through traffic, maintaining leverage with the outside shoulder, ultimately able to drop Bell for loss. The very next play, a sprint out, uh, takes one step to the inside on the zone read, then the quarterback rolling out, shows the speed to be able to get outside, close on, on Spencer Rattler, get a sack for loss of six. He was absolutely all over the field. And what you love is the, the, the ability to rush the passer as well. Works hard on the edge against the left tackle. Excellent bending around, good ankle flexion as he gets after the quarterback. He dives, and what was crazy was he actually hit the ball uh, as he was turning his back towards the quarterback, knocked the ball out with his right hand, extending it kind of up over his head uh, to knock the ball free. Uh, Drew Sanders, when you're talking about edge rushers, he's the guy whose draft stock absolutely elevated because of his play there against South Carolina. I think he'll be counted on, especially as Arkansas has got Alabama in a couple of weeks. He's going to have to step up and play big. And I think he can absolutely do that along with his running mate, Bumper Pool. I swear, I think Bumper Pool has been there for the better part of a decade, or at least it feels that way. 6'2", 228 pounds, a guy that is instinctive. He's not nearly the, the same athlete as uh, Drew Sanders, but definitely a guy that can come downhill. He's going to meet you in the hole. A guy that, that can drop into coverage a little bit as well. Just an intelligent football player. And that's really what you like to see uh, you know, out of your linebackers. And that's really that like, duo complements themselves uh, very well. K-State, 40-12 to 12 winners over Mizzou in Manhattan, Kansas. And I'll tell you what, it was all about Deuce Vaughn for me. You know, 24 carries, 145 yards, a couple of touchdowns. Um, you know, eight straight 100-yard games, nine straight with a touchdown. Yes, we know he's diminutive. Um, you know, he's he, he looks like a, a Darren Sproles type, though, coming there out of K-State. He's patient. He waits for his blockers, tries to hide behind those blocks. Then he explodes through the hole. Good power in his legs for a guy who's small. Uh, as he is, but that explosive speed and hands on display on a wheel route as well. Um, I'll, I'll tell you, Cooper Beebe, the guard, 6'4", 322 pounds. Um, you know, he's playing left guard there for the Wildcats. I think he'll play guard at the next level. You just saw him clearing a path on the goal line. Um, you know, he can pull around, get in front, buries guys on the edge. That's something that you absolutely love to see. He's physical. He's nasty. He's going to beat you up a little bit. Uh, was throwing aside defensive tackles uh, to help clear holes in the running game as well. He's a guy that I think can hold the point of attack, plays with excellent leverage, gets his hands under the defensive tackle, uh, does a really a good job there. And then Felix Anadike uh, Uzoma, 6'4", 255 pounds, and a guy that is exceptionally quick and a guy that was absolutely giving the left tackle, Javon Foster, all he could handle. There was a four-play stretch at the end of the first half where it seemed like Anadike Uzoma was in the backfield on virtually every play. You know, he was using his hands to uh, to clear himself with a slap to the outside elbow of Foster that ripped through and then turns the corner, flushes the quarterback up in the pocket. He engages with Foster on the next play, extends that, that then takes that, that outside hand, chops down on Foster's hands, and as the the left tackle is slow to bring his hands back up to re-engage. Has this quick move to the outside, a rip through to, to pressure the quarterback. Show that inside rush with a chop as Foster tried to take that away. Had the quick move back to the outside, which was exceptional. Then he pushes Foster back into the quarterback, shoots to the inside to beat the quarterback, force Brady Cook to run. Last play of the half, uses that left hand to shove Foster to the outside that brings the right arm through, closes in a hurry to hit the quarterback as he throws to end the half. Anadike Uzoma, when you're talking about edge rushers, we talked about Sanders making a difference. Even though he didn't really get home, he had just three tackles and a half sack. He was making plays. You can't just look at the stat line. He was a guy that was really all over the field making plays for the Wildcats. And then with Louisville taking on UCF, uh, you know, Malik Cunningham, 
didn't have the, the stellar day throwing the football, just 14 of 29 for 198 yards, but he's dynamic with the football in his hand. 17 carries, 121 yards, and a touchdown. His ability to, to make you miss in the open field, I think, is special um, with, with the football in his hands. I just don't think he's polished enough as a quarterback to play that quarterback position at the next level. You know, the question is really going to be, is a team willing to put packages together for him uh, that's really going to be the main question. He's not the biggest guy either. He's six foot and just 189 pounds, but the athleticism is, is absolutely freakish. That's for sure. Uh, Yaya Diaby, he's 6'4", 270 pounds. He's a guy that uh, you know shows tremendous strength at the point of attack, um, uses his hands to get off his blocks, and then you see the effort, all-out effort, getting after the football. Yasir Abdullah, the linebacker, 6'1", 242 pounds, the team captain, a guy who seems to also fly all over the field, likes to make plays behind the line of scrimmage. Look, between Yaya Diaby and, and Yasir Abdullah, 10 tackles, um, one and a half sacks, and a tackle for loss. Those guys, to me, they were the heart and soul of, of uh, Louisville's defense down the stretch there, taking on UCF. Uh, Louisville ultimately ends up losing to Florida State, had a, a short week, takes on Florida State there in Cardinal Stadium and uh, on Friday, September 16th, and uh, they go down 35-31. Florida State loses Jordan Travis, who look, you know, looked like a legit NFL prospect before he went down. He was 6'1", 212 pounds, a guy who was 13-17, 157 yards, two touchdowns, did throw a pick, but uh, he was supremely you know confident in his throws uh, you know a guy that was throwing receivers open he'd hang in the pocket he'd deliver strikes um, you know and this is a guy look he's progressively gotten better with his completion percentage each and every year um, knew where to go with the football the anticipation is part of that growth for sure with Jordan Travis unfortunately uh, ends up with a lower leg injury and was out for the game, replaced by Tade Rodemacher, who was ultimately able to lead Florida State to the win. You just worry about the long-term health of Jordan Travis with that lower leg injury. His status right now is unknown against BC. Hopefully he can return. If not, it'll be in the hands of Tade Rodemacher for a week or two. But uh, Jordan Travis, if Florida State wants to go far in the ACC, it's going to be off of his arm. I thought he absolutely played exceptional in that game before he went down to injury. Uh, you know, Robert Jones Jr., uh, 6'5", 334-pound left tackle. You saw his ability to, uh, you know, that short choppy steps with his kick slide. Edge rusher takes an inside rush, but a very quick move back to the inside to beat him to the inside, stood him up. You see the, his agility, the ability to pull around and get to the second level. Treshawn Ward was following him. Um, you know, I, I loved his ability to reset his feet against Yaya Diaby on a bull rush. Uh, Diaby worked around, getting under the pad level, ultimately got to Travis. Uh, but you love uh, you know, Scott's ability uh, with the athleticism, but he can be driven back by the bull rush if that pad level gets too high in his kick slide and that's really one of the things that you worry about with, with Scott is bring that pad level down um, and, and be able to anchor um, so that you're not driven back into the backfield um, you know Jared Verse another guy that we're waiting to hear about his long-term health 6'4 248 pound defensive end uh, old team teammate fell on him in, on his knee in the second quarter so you know his his status is unknown at this time uh, but I mentioned Diaby earlier. Uh, this was a guy, he was flying around, making plays again. Six tackles, two and a half tackles for loss, one and a half sacks. You love the effort, his relentlessness, and, and the power, especially in his hands. His ability to bend a little bit coming off the edge. That was something that definitely stood out. And then I mentioned Yasir Abdullah as well. You know, he was reading screen plays and getting out there, dropping the running back in space. He was coming down and run support. A guy that also was able to drop you know, underneath in zone coverage, you know, read the quarterback's eyes, tried to hit the receiver to the wide side of the field, and his eyes put him in position to make a play. The ball was really way underthrown, so it was an easy interception for uh, Abdullah. Eight tackles, two tackles for loss, a half sack, and that interception on the day. Uh, those were the two standouts for me on the defensive side of the football yet again for the Louisville Cardinal. And... Uh, 
So I think using this Friday game as our stopping point probably makes the most sense. We'll pick things up. Episode 9 will be all about Saturday, September 17th. That's going to be week three. We'll be talking about uh, a slew of games, why Georgia looks so good against South Carolina. A big part of that was the tight end, Brock Bowers. Can't wait to see if he's going to be a top 10 pick in next year's draft. Uh, Oklahoma doing a number on Nebraska, uh, 49 to 14. Uh, Notre Dame struggled with Cal before they ultimately got the win. Going to definitely need to break that down a little bit more. Uh, Ole Miss came out firing 42 to nothing against Georgia, uh, Georgia Tech. Oregon dismantling BYU 41-20. We'll talk about why that took place as well. I got Penn State, Auburn to watch, uh, LSU taking out Mississippi State, NC State, Texas Tech, another great game there. Tyree Wilson was a beast for the Red Raiders. Need to watch that game. Michigan State losing to Washington, uh, you know, Miami of Florida losing to Texas A&M, uh, you know, so, and then obviously Syracuse pulling out a late game win against Purdue. And then finally the nightcap, it was USC, the number seventh ranked Trojans taking down Fresno state 45, 17, another big day for Jordan Addison and company Tuli Tui Pelotu, a two sack performance in the win there for the Trojans as well. So we've got a lot of games to cover. I've got a lot of games to watch over the next couple of days, but I will be bringing another podcast to you later on this week. Stay tuned. We got much more football to talk about, and then we'll be heading into week four. I'll make sure to break down some of those matchups as well. So for readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Shoots. Take care, everyone. Enjoy your week. And until next time, I am out of here.